Welcome to Every Moment His. This sermon was preached from the pulpit at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and we pray that you are blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Well, good morning, God's people. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of Jesus. We're taking a look now at the fourth commandment. We're almost halfway done with these commandments. And today we're talking about honor your father and your mother. And what I want you to see today is this commandment goes a lot deeper than we might think. It goes uh, really into this whole idea of authority and how we use authority. Um, so let's speak together Luther's meaning from the catechism. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Uh, in the movie Home Alone, uh, Kevin McAllister wishes that he did not have a family. That's the way the movie begins. And he wishes that everybody would just disappear and leave him alone. And then, of course, they do. Kevin is left to fend for himself, and at first he feels liberated. But as the story continues, he realizes that being your own authority isn't easy at all. In fact, it's dangerous. I'd say that human beings are a lot like Kevin McAllister. We have a problem with authority. We don't want anybody to put limits on us, not God, not parents, not teachers, not the government, nobody. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment what it would really be like if the authorities in our lives were all of a sudden missing, even those that we don't like or we despise. What would it really be like to have no parents or grandparents or guardians who would feed you, who would clothe you, who would protect you and take you to the doctor, who would pay the rent and the car payment, right? Do you like to do those things by yourself? Probably not. What would it really be like if you called the police in an emergency and nobody came? What would it be like if another nation attacked and invaded our country and nobody did anything? What would it be like if uh, we had a major blizzard and the county just said, no, we're, that's not our problem. We're not going to plow the roads. You do it, right? What would it be like if government just quit completely? What would it be like if you woke up one day and there was no law, there was no order, if there was just dog-eat-dog -dog anarchy? What would that be like? Well, not good at all, right? It would be terrible. As much as we might resent authority, as much as we might think we know better than authority, we desperately need authority. We've mentioned before that in each of these commandments, God is seeking to preserve a really good gift, a blessing for us underneath the commandment. And so with the commandment, we don't just have a no, we have a really big yes that God's given for us. Underneath this commandment, God is seeking to preserve for us the blessing of authority, starting with parents and going all the way up to the level of government. In fact, it's from the authority of parents that we get all other authorities. In fact, we could say that the family is the most basic form of local governance. And this is why Christians believe that the family, how we define it, how we foster it, is extremely important for the well-being of society. Without authority, 
none of you would be alive. None of us would thrive. We need people who are bigger than us, wiser, more capable, who have more power and resources. We need those people to use all of these things for our benefit, especially when we're younger, weaker, and less capable. And so, when authorities act honorably, and we honor authorities in return, things go good. We flourish. Society is stable. But when authorities are not trustworthy, or we don't honor them, or both at the same time, we experience pain, loss, confusion, and chaos. So much in life depends upon God's good gift of authority. Now, when you realize this, when you really take it to heart that our very lives depend on authorities like parents or teachers or the police or the government, you begin to respond with humility and honor and thanksgiving. In other words, you begin to honor and cherish those that God has placed in authority over you rather than despising them or disobeying them. That seems easy enough. Accept that as sinners in a broken, sinful world, we all have an authority problem. This, after all, is the original human problem going back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were not content to live under God's good authority. The lie that they gave into was that they could be their own final authority. They could be their own gods. They could define their own good and evil And so this post-Eden world that we live in is one in which every person is trying to be their own authority at the expense of other authorities, which is truly a lonely, miserable burden to bear. But we hear it all the time in popular songs. Bon Jovi says, it's my life. Sinatra sang, I did it my way. The Beastie Boys sang, you got to fight for your right to party. (laughs) There are a couple different generations there. In many stories and movies, I'd say that we applaud the character who rejects authority and paves their own path. We could even say that in our culture, the mockery and the rejection of authority is seen as a virtue rather than a vice. And what do we get in return? Well, we get everything from insurrection at our nation's capital to cities like San Francisco, where car theft and shoplifting happen in broad daylight. In other words, what we get is confusion and chaos. And it's here that God has to step in with the commandment. And remember, there's three uses of the law, and the first use of the law is to curb evil, right? And so here God has to step in with the commandment and say, honor your father and your mother, even though you think you know better and you don't want to. It's here that God has to step in with the commandment and say, as Paul says in Romans 13, be subject to the governing authorities, even though you don't want to and you don't agree. I think it's interesting that Paul says that to people living under the Roman Empire, of all places. He says, be subject to governing authorities. But it's not only that we resist authority. The problem is that so often, unfortunately, those authorities that we should trust show themselves to be not trustworthy. In our Ephesians 6 reading today, Paul must remind fathers to not anger their children by being harsh and unreasonable. He warns masters against threatening those under their authority. And he does this so that these positions of authority would be worthy of respect and honor. 
Now, when those who are in authority use their authority for their own benefit at the expense of others, this is when things begin to break down. This is true of family. It's true of government. It's true of the church. And so we get into this vicious cycle of, I'm not going to obey your authority and also authority that is not respectable. Two relatively recent movies, I think, communicate this well. The first is the movie She Said. It tells the story of two reporters who listened to the stories of countless women who were sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, and also how hard it was to hold such a powerful man accountable for his abuse of power. It's an unspeakably awful thing when power is abused, and we know this all too well. All of us who grew up watching The Cosby Show or who heard about our president and a certain intern on the news each night, we all grew up from childhood learning all too well that those who have authority do not always use it well. The second is the movie Spotlight. It tells the story of the Boston Globe reporters who blow the whistle on the sex abuse crisis in the Roman church and all the ways that the church tried to cover this up. This isn't anything new, of course. Luther and the Reformers spoke out about such things during the Reformation. In our Old Testament reading from 1 Samuel today, we have the sons of Eli who were abusing the priesthood by sleeping with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. I cannot think of anything more awful than when those who hold leadership in the church abuse their authority. What this does is it ruins the faith of so many and it undermines the message of the gospel. I I like literally felt this when I lived in New England when I was a pastor there, um, where in some communities, if you wear a clerical collar, people approach you and they want you to pray for them and bless them. Whereas in some places in New England, people would be like, no, because this is such a deeply seated scandal in that area. Now, on a more personal level, you may have had parents who did not live up to their role. Now, I'm not talking about mom and dad who did their best, but they have a lot of issues just like you do, right? Um, Few things will humble you more than being a parent, right? And I look back at my own parents with humility and thanksgiving because I'm like, wow, thanks, mom and dad. This is a hard job, right? So I'm not talking about parents who made mistakes or parents who didn't always live up perfectly to that role because there are no perfect parents. What I'm talking about is a parent or parents who were abusive or who were completely absent. How do you honor father and mother when father and mother abused you or abandoned you altogether? These are often painful, perplexing pastoral questions. People will say, Pastor John, I don't know how to honor my mother or father because of these things. Up to this point, you may have noticed I've been preaching the law, right? I've been showing you how this commandment is a good gift, but also how we reject God's gift of authority and we despise it or we misuse it. Now, my goal in preaching the law is not to leave each of us dead in our sins, buried under God's condemnation, because this is what the law naturally does as it collides with sinners. See, the law has power to diagnose your problems with authority, both the way you resist it and the way that you misuse it. But, you need to know this, the law does not have the power to heal your problem with authority. 
It doesn't have the power to give you a positive relationship with authority. So my goal in preaching the law into your heart, into your conscience, is so that I can take you to Jesus Christ and preach Christ crucified and risen from the dead for your forgiveness to preach him into your heart and into your conscience. Because only when that happens can you begin to have a good, positive relationship with authority. So we all know that Jesus is the highest authority. We know these words well from Matthew 28 at Holy Cross. Jesus tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm in charge of everything, no exceptions. But notice how Jesus uses his authority. In our gospel reading from Luke 2, we see the preteen Jesus under the authority of Israel's teachers in the temple and under the authority of his parents. Now, this might be kind of surprising because at first glance, when we read this text, it might seem like Jesus was just straight up disobeying the authority of his parents. You might say, see, Jesus didn't listen to his parents, so I don't have to either. But when you look more deeply at the text, you'll see this isn't the case. I believe that Jesus was so attracted to the temple, his father's house, that he was so immersed in the word of God, in the scriptures, that he just simply didn't leave Jerusalem when everybody else did. It wasn't like he's like, I'm going to run away from mom and dad and do my own thing. They said it's time to leave and I don't care. No, I think the son of God was so captivated by God's house and God's word that he simply didn't leave when his parents did. Now, of course, this causes a big scare for his parents. But notice what his parents find him doing. He's not teaching the teachers. He's not rebuking them or calling them out for their hypocrisy like he would with the scribes and the Pharisees in later years. But instead, Jesus is listening to them and asking them questions. Now, imagine the humility this would have required, that the very word of God made flesh would ask questions about God's word to inferior teachers. Notice that Jesus is not flexing his authority. He's showing us what it looks like to live under authority. Furthermore, the text tells us in verse 51 that Jesus was submissive to his parents. I think this is Luke saying, and don't worry, Jesus was obedient to his parents, right? Um, Now, this is really amazing. Because the very one to whom all authority belongs comes under the authority of his parents. You see, Mary and Joseph had no authority to parent Jesus apart from the authority that Christ himself gave them. And yet we see that Jesus humbles himself under that authority. This is really important for you and me as Christians. Because it says in Ephesians chapter 1 that you and I who are in Christ have been raised up with Christ to be seated with him in the heavenly places, high above all power and authority. And so you as a Christian, you're actually above all authority, right? And yet, as Christians, we imitate Christ and we come under authority and we obey it and we respect it. This pattern of submitting to authority continues in Jesus' ministry. Although Jesus is the highest authority, notice how he not only submits to authority, but he uses his authority to serve. 
And so in Mark 10:45, Jesus says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or in John 13, Jesus shows us how he uses his authority as he kneels down and he washes the feet of his disciples. This was a a role reserved for the lowest of the lowest servants. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to use my high authority to come down low and serve those under my care. I mean, who does this, right? Uh, This is really an authority that you can trust. It's the only authority that truly has your good in mind and that truly sacrifices and lays down his life for you. And above all in the Gospels, we see that even though Jesus has all authority, he allows himself to be condemned under the authority of the Sanhedrin and crucified under the authority of Rome. And he does this for you and for the entire world. And so... As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you now live under the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be baptized under the authority of Jesus, his good and gentle authority. And so this means that you now live your life every day, every minute of your life, you live under the authority of Christ's love, under the authority of Christ's forgiveness, under the authority of his grace. And when you and I start to trust this, when it really gets into our hearts that we're under a good and gentle authority in Christ, it really starts to change the way that we relate to authority and the way that we use the authority God's given us. Here's what I mean. I think that one of the reasons that we resist authority is because we're not so sure that the authority has our best interest in mind. But when we trust that the authority of Jesus is the highest authority and that all authority must ultimately answer to Christ and bow the knee and confess Him as Lord, then we can rest. We can trust. We can listen. We can obey. We can humble ourselves under authority just as Jesus did, because we know that he will have the last word on everything. This is where history is going. This is why Christians are not insurrectionists or rebels or people who grapple to take the power back. No, uh uh-uh. Under the authority of Jesus, we have a greater authority, and so we serve. That's where our real power as Christians is. We serve as he first served us. The good and gentle authority of Jesus also shapes the way that you and I use the authority that God has given us in our vocations, our callings in life. So, for example, from our uh, chapter before our epistle reading, when Paul talks to husbands in Ephesians 5, he tells them to be the kind of husbands who demonstrate the gentle authority of Jesus. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, this is a sacrificial use of authority. Or in Ephesians 6, the epistle reading today, as Paul speaks to fathers, he encourages them to parent their children the way that God parents them. This is the way we do parenting as Christians. We parent our children the way God parents us. And so he says, not provoking us to anger or discouragement, but with encouragement, discipline, and instruction. Paul tells masters, and this would relate to our modern day employer employee relationship, he 
tells them to treat their servants the way that Christ would treat them, not with harshness and with threatening. This is really good for you to know if you have a position of authority with people working under you. You have to think, how can I use my authority for the good and the life and the flourishing of those under my employment? That they would look at my authority and my uh, use of it and see Christ. Really, to sum it up, the Scriptures tell us that we love because God first loved us in Christ. We can apply that to authority too. We use authority for the benefit of others because Christ first used his authority for our life and our benefit. So people of God, may the Holy Spirit truly make you and me and this whole congregation a people under the good and gentle authority of Jesus more and more so that we can live well under authority and use authority well. And God grant it in the name of Jesus by his grace. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particular useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.